Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Roar Lions Roar, the basketball edition. I am your host tonight, Matt Filipovitz, and I am joined by my co-host, Vince Langero. Vince, how are we? I'm doing great, Matt. Uh, happy to be here. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Penn State basketball is shockingly 5-1, and one, and I'm a bit disappointed because I feel like they could easily be 6-0, and oh, and that would have them, uh, at time of recording here on uh, on Monday, November 21st, as the only six-win uh, team in college basketball had they hung on against Virginia Tech uh, this past weekend. But, hey, man, I, this is Penn State Hoops. Uh, we'll we'll kind of just dive right in. The, the season has gotten underway, and after some resounding wins over some, let's just call them lesser opponents, they've come out of the gate pretty strong. They got a great win over Butler in the Gavit games. Uh, Jalen Pickett, who we'll talk about in a little bit, recorded the second triple-double in Penn State basketball history against Butler. And that momentum really carried over into the, um, I think it's the Shiners Children's Classic in Charleston, South Carolina, where the Nittany Lions finished third. Uh, They beat Furman, uh, stormed out to a big lead, and then kind of let Furman chip back in. Uh, They lost a nail-biter to Virginia Tech only by two. And they follow that up with a resounding win over Colorado State in the consolation game. So Nittany Lions sit just outside of the top 30 in Ken Palm. And Vince, is this the start you expected? Are you are you satisfied with how things are going? Or, or like me, are you also thinking that there was a there was a one left on the table with that Virginia Tech game? Yeah, I think it's 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 a mixture of both a little bit. I think I, I think they're probably they've looked a little bit better than I anticipated this quickly. Um, especially without using too many of the freshmen and too many significant roles. I thought we'd see them a bit more, and I don't think that's been a bad thing. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I think they've really, they've looked a lot more cohesive as a unit than I probably expected them to offensively. Defensively, I mean, they were good last year um, with a group that was much less familiar with each other than this year's group is. Um, just because it was the, the first year under Micah Shrewsbury and all that. But yeah, I've been really surprised offensively how the spacing has been, how quickly they've played in some moments. Um, and, and they've just looked, they've looked a lot better offensively than I thought they would already to this point in the season. I'm surprised by how many dudes are finding open shots and Miles Dredd, especially. I, I thought Andrew Funk was going to be the guy and he still is probably going to be the guy to be the most lights out shooter for Penn state. But you can tell Miles Dredd's shoulder injury last year really slowed him down because he's come out of the gate, I think, on fire. And I don't think he's a story that a lot of people are talking about nearly enough. So, but we'll kind of you know take a step back from individual players and, and we'll talk about what's working for this team as a whole in the start uh, in the start of this season. They're doing a lot of different things, and one thing I think has worked really well has been Keba Jai getting a lot of minutes at the five. Caleb Dorsey has proven to be a very serviceable option. Um, I don't know how that's going to go over in the Big Ten. And I love the small ball lineup they went with against Virginia Tech. They shot horribly a lot of that Virginia Tech game, and they battled Mm -hmm. back in, in large part because of a small ball lineup, which featured you know a freshman, Evan Mahaffey, pretty heavily. What of that three combination? So, so the Jai is the five, the Dorsey as the five, or the you know the small ball small ball lineup. Do you think is Penn State's best option right now? What do you think is the best way to get the five best players or Penn State on the court? Oh boy, that 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 is actually a tough question because I think it might be deter- determined by the opponent. 
because, you know, they yeah, went a little bit smaller fair. against Virginia Tech, uh, Furman. Uh, they went a little bit smaller. But then against Colorado State, you saw Keba Jai play a little bit more, and that seemed to really stem the tide for Colorado State in the paint. Penn State was still outscored by 12 in the paint. Yeah. But it looked like it worked a little bit more against Colorado State than it had the previous two games. But, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think I think they have options down there, and that's not necessarily a bad thing as they're still trying to figure out what they have in those freshmen and how much they can contribute this season. But, but yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's just going to determine about who the opponent is. I think as we get more into big 10 play, uh, I think, as we said on the first spot, I think Kevin Jai is probably going to be needed a little bit more, but, but you're right. They do create matchup problems with whether it's Caleb Dorsey in there, or Evan Mahaffey playing in a really small ball five, they can spread people out. And with the litany of shooters that they have now, which you know, as Penn State fans, you've probably been craving for someone like Andrew Funk for 15 years. Um, it really does create problems for, for the defense. Have you been more inf- impressed by Funk or Winter so far? For me, it might be Winter. Like, I, I think Funk was the bigger name because we knew he was going to be a volume shooter. But I think Cameron Winter's a, a really good basketball player. And I think he's being a bit overshadowed by Jalen Pickett. Yeah, I, I think they've both been really impressive and if they've gone about it probably a little bit different. I think Andrew Funk probably has been I, I'm not gonna say flashier because I don't you know, he's not that flashy of a player, but because, you know, he's shooting threes yeah. at a pretty consistent rate. Well you're right, Cameron Winter has looked really good. I I can't remember if it was the Butler game. He had a pretty good shot going into halftime that kind of stemmed the tide of, of Butler, you know, getting some momentum in that first half and he had a pretty good uh, pretty clutch bucket. Uh, toward the end of the first half there that that really stemmed the tide there um, uh, against the Bulldogs. It, but he looks like someone who can fit in and has looked like someone who's fit in really seamlessly with Miles Dredd, with Seth Lundy, with obviously Jalen Pickett, who is probably Penn State's most important player, and being someone who can be a focal point but also make a difference when he's not handling the ball. And, yeah, he's been he's been really impressive. And And – I'm glad that you mentioned Lundy because Lundy kind of feels like the forgotten guy to me. Maybe it's because Pickett's been so dominant. What they're doing at the five is so unique and new. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of transfers in. But Lundy maybe had the quietest 20 points I've ever seen against Furman. He's, I think, really comfortable not having to be the primary scoring option. And I think he might honestly be option three or four on most nights. And I like that role for him. I, I, I don't know. I think that he's kind of established that he is not going to be the volume scorer, that picket, that funk, like those guys are going to be. But if he has a role as just a really solid three and D guy who who can kind of, you know, go off on any given night. And, you know, if he gives you, if he gives you 12 or not 12 a night, that's a phenomenal senior campaign for the, for, uh, for Seth Lundy. But do you see him kind of as a forgotten piece or do you think this is just his new role now? I, I think it's his new role. And I think, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's a role that fits him a bit a bit better. Last year in the season past when he was asked to be someone who had to carry the load of an offensive, you know, an offensive system, that's really not what he needs to be. You know, he needs to be a guy, as you mentioned, uh, a lot of defense. Last year, I, I don't know how he wasn't the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year because, you know, he obviously no idea. He, he was just incredible. Um, it's probably because he plays for Penn State, let's be honest. If, you, if he played for Michigan or <laughs> Illinois, he would have been the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. Um, he, I just think he fits that role so well. And I think that is huge for this team and getting him to be someone who is going to get, 
like you said, get to double digits. And it's like, wait, how did he get to 20 points? He he wasn't, it didn't seem like he was that big of a factor, but I think that's going to be so huge for this team, especially in big 10 play as a defense tries to key in on Jalen Pickett, a Cameron winter, try to limit Andrew Funk's clean looks from three. He's going to be need, need to be a guy that can step in and contribute 13, 14 points. And then also guard the opposing team's probably best offensive player. So I think it's a role that fits him perfectly. And I think, Basketball is is predicated on three and D guys now. That's like in the NBA, it feels like there's like 400 of those guys that are signed specifically for that. So it, it wouldn't be a shot. Shout out to Bill uh, who who tweeted earlier. I think it was last week that he he said he could see uh, Seth Lundy being someone who gets a summer league invite specifically because he's someone who can be a three and D weapon for any kind of team. So he's he's absolutely played that role well for Penn State thus far. Yeah, and and we talked a lot about so far uh, about what's going well. And again, this is a five and one Penn State basketball team um, that that uh, may be playing itself into AP top twenty five votes. It got one this week um, from Dave Jones, so the actual guy on the Penn State beat put Penn State in there at number twenty five. But he's not the first one to give Penn State an AP vote. I forget who it was the week prior. Somebody else gave them uh, uh, one vote in the AP poll. So they're they're not they're not looked at as the usual Penn state basketball team nationally. I don't think, I think that people are beginning to see what Micah Shrewsbury is doing. And the big 10 slate is coming. Like there's two more games in the non-con before. I don't know who approved this or, or who built this part of the non-con or the conference slate out, but they have uh, Lafayette Clemson. And then their December big 10 games are Illinois and Michigan state before the non-con resumes. So that that's just about as bad of a draw you can pull in the December Big Ten slate as you could ever imagine. And they have to fix some things. Vince, what is the maybe two or three things that aren't working for Penn State right now? And again, it, it's hard to be picky. Again, this is a 5-1 and one Penn State basketball team that has received votes in multiple AP polls. But they again, there's something that just feels off to me in a certain sense that I know this team is going to probably finish under 500 in the league unless certain things get fixed. Uh, yeah, I think it, the, the the glaring thing is is the post presence, and I think that's where Kevin Jai's development as the season goes on is huge. Because I think you can get away with with Caleb Dorsey and Evan Mahaffey, you know, here and there. Um, you, you can use that, you know, to your advantage. But I think consistently against the likes of Michigan State, Illinois. Wisconsin, Indiana, as you get further and further into Big Ten play, that's going to be found out from Big Ten opposing coaches. So it, it, it has to be that post presence. They were absolutely dominated in the paint against Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech got yeah. anything they wanted once they entered the lane. And it was honestly, it was like every possession they were going right at Caleb Dorsey or whoever it was in the paint for Penn State. So I think that's an area where, you know, we talked about it on the preview pod. That's going to be something to watch as the season goes along. Can Penn State become a team that they don't even have to be great or good, maybe even as an interior defense. They just have to be average, below even slightly below average, and it's going to make a difference. It looked better against Colorado State, but but that's that's an area where, yeah, you want to see them improve uh, as the season continues. And also, I think finding offensive production when the threes aren't falling, you know, as the added goes, you live by the three, you die by the three. Uh, a lot of times you live by it, and then the night you die by it, as we saw early against Virginia Tech, it looks really, really bad. So I think finding yeah. a little bit more offensive of flow, uh, you know, losing Jalen Pickett maybe in the paint a little bit more in post-up situations if he's up against a smaller guard, I think can really help them. But 
it's hard to argue with the, the results so far in, in the three-point shooting machine because, you know, it's, as you said, they're five and one. So those would be the two areas I think would stand out as, as we approach Michigan State and Illinois. And as you said, that's a pretty tough draw uh, opening <laughs> up a Big Ten play. The, the defending Big Ten regular season champions in Illinois and then Michigan State, who just uh, took down Villanova and Kentucky before that, two you know national title contenders before the season started. So it's it's not going to be easy right out of the gate in Big Ten play. Yeah, Keba's Keba's got to grow up big, and and I really so I, I'm torn on how I how I want to handle this Caleb Dorsey Keba Jai conversation because Dorsey's thin. Dorsey's a skinny six mm-hmm. seven six eight, however tall he is. And there's a lot of value to that kind of guy. I think you do some really creative things spacing the floor when you have a guy who can shoot like that at the five. But Keba is this traditional Big Ten big uh, that, frankly, every team that hopes to compete in the league has to have. And you're right, Keba and, and the bigs in general did have a really hard time against Virginia Tech. But I liked what they did against Colorado State, and I don't know if that was Keba turned a corner after playing against his first, you know, real big-time opponent, or if it's it's Colorado State, a Big Ten basketball team should have a better big man than, you know, a, a non-power roster. Mm-hmm. What do you think it is? I, I, I honestly can't tell yet, and, and the hard part is, with Lafayette coming up, no disrespect to my Leopards. Uh, I love the Lafayette Leopards. You're really not going to know until Clemson comes to, or I'm sorry, I think they go to Clemson offhand. Uh, Yeah, until they head down to Clemson uh, on November 29th. So in eight days, what do you think it is? Do you think Keba Jai, you know, needed to kind of take those lumps to really find out what it meant to play big time college ball? Or did he turn a corner and is the Colorado State, you know, game a sign of things to come? Yeah, I think it's 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 kind of a wait and see. I think Clemson will be a good barometer yeah. for for where his growth is at. But they we did see a lot of good things against Colorado State. How they used him, you know, I, I think he stepped out and made a three in that game as well, which I was like, oh man, wow, that's, that's I didn't know he could do that. You know, I, yeah, I didn't either. I was like, if he can add that to his repertoire already, I mean, we got good things good things going there. Yeah, I think it's it's. You want to see that against Clemson. You want to see that against Illinois, Michigan State. Colorado State's a good team. They're probably going to compete for a Mountain West title. They'll be a bubble team as this, at the end of the season for the NCAA tournament. But they're not. They're not Michigan State. They're not Trace Jackson Davis at Indiana. So I think it for him. I think it needs to be a trial by fire. He's going to have some nights where a, a more experienced big band is going to get the better of him, um, and we'll see how that goes as the season unfolds. It's how he responds, and I think after the struggles for the paint and the interior as a whole against Virginia tech, what we saw against Colorado state was encouraging because he was willing. And I think it's telling for Micah Shrewsbury to put him in the starting lineup for that game after there were the struggles against Virginia tech. So I think it's, it's going to be a wait and see kind of approach as the season, you know, goes on as we see him against Clemson and those two big 10 games you mentioned, but I think it can be a positive for him that he had the confidence to rebound from that Virginia tech game where, the defense struggled yep. in, in, as a whole, as a unit inside, and he was able to bounce back against Colorado State and, and play pretty well uh, the entire game. Who's your starting five going forward, do you think? Jai or Dorsey? I ro- I think I roll with Jai because I think he's the one you need in Big Ten play. Mm-hmm. I think I think you you can find some minutes for Caleb Dorsey. I don't think that means Caleb Dorsey is just you know going to play two minutes a game now, but I think if 
where this team goes is going to be determined by Kemba Jai just because that's the nature of Big Ten play. You need a Big Ten post player that is is big, can rebound, and can take up space uh, when another yeah. team drives. So I, I would have him in the starting lineup as much as possible now moving forward. Yeah, I, I think that's that's the best option. I, I really like Dorsey as a player, and, and maybe that's because my expectations were about as low as you can imagine for a skinny six seven big. <laughs> Um, I just, I, I never really thought he was going to give them much. And if he's your seventh man and he knocks down maybe, you know, four shots a game, you know, if you're lucky, that's a phenomenal output. Like if you can get him in the seven to eight points a game range, I think that's about all you can ask for, for a team that's very clearly just trying to build some depth in the front court. But let's transition a little bit and let's get out of the front court and let's talk about Maybe I don't want to say the best because he's not the best, <laughs> but the most impactful player in the Big Ten right now in Jalen Pickett. Is that fair to say? Oh, it's a hundred percent fair to say. Um, if without Jalen Pickett, I'm not sure Penn State finishes uh, anywhere close to a winning winning record this year. I think he's just that important to what they do offensively, defensively being Mike Shrewsbury's floor general on the floor, communicating what he wants from his guys. I, I, I just don't see how there could be anybody more important than him for their team in the Big Ten. Maybe Hunter Dickinson at Michigan is the only one I can think of who, if you take him away, things change completely. But I, I he's just, yeah, he's just is, is as important to this team as anybody in, I think, college basketball, let alone the Big Ten. Pickett's interesting to me because he's changed the way he's played. I think so. I think he's playing yeah. bigger. And for a point guard yeah. who who very yeah. clearly is the guy who runs the floor, you know, takes control of everything, makes sure everybody's where they're supposed to be, to watch him, like, clear Keba, clear Caleb Dorsey out to get out of his way when he tries to go, and it works more often than not, that's the kind of, yeah. you know, I, I don't how do I want to put this? That's the kind of mentality I don't think I've seen out of a Penn State guard since the last little stretch of Sam Sessoms in the Big Ten tournament when Sessoms was really finding his own and really feeling himself and playing some really great basketball. But what Pickett means to this team right now is the difference between five and one and probably two and three, because you're probably not beating Butler. You're definitely not beating Butler. You're not beating Furman. And you're probably not, not beating whatever team you would have faced in the uh, in the Charleston Classic. So Pickett is, is a guy who I don't think can maintain that volume of, of responsibility for an entire season, but they've gotten through, you know, two power opponents and a good uh, non-major team in Furman and two cupcakes with Pickett being that primary option. And the guys around him are really starting to find their roles. So I I'm just curious to see if this can, you know, maintain itself because once Keba gets more comfortable once Miles Dredd, you know, gets in more of a rhythm. Funk can be really streaky, but when Funk's on, everything opens so much, you know, more up. But Pickett's just, in my opinion, the off to the best start I've seen a Penn State basketball player have through the first five games of the season uh, in my time following the team. And I get it's not sustainable. I get he's going to play a lot better guards, but it, it's about as perfect a scenario as you can ask for for him. And I think that as the team evolves, it's, he's only going to get more comfortable. He's only going to be able to find more open shots. He's easily the most impactful transfer of Penn State basketball history, no matter how this season finishes, what he did last wow, year. Wow, okay. Year. 
I, I think it's it's I I'm gonna make the case, and I, I'm gonna make the case already that he's one of the best Penn State basketball players, maybe in the last twenty years already. He's just he's that good. I I think if if he doesn't get first team All Big Ten, if he's not gonna continue on this, as you pointed out, this level of of you know bearing the load of the offense. But if he continues on this path for, throughout the season, I don't think there's any reason he shouldn't be a first-team All-Big Ten player, which in Penn State basketball terms, that doesn't happen too often. You know, you think of Taylor Battle, Tony <laughs> Carr, I believe, and Stevens. Other than that, there's not a whole lot of guys on that list. Forgive me, I didn't follow Penn State basketball before like 2008. But there can't be that many guys who have had this level of impact in Penn State. He, I, he has been the tone setter. You, you talk about John Hare obviously being the guy who is the heart and soul of the program, but he has been the tone setter for Micah Shrewsbury in getting this program to a respectability that they haven't had in a long time. Even under Pat Chambers, when they were good that year, they were going to make the tournament. I don't think people on the outside really bought into what this program could be. And I think when you look at Jalen Pickett, a guy who is a, you know, a player of the year at Siena, what he's been able to do now a level up in competition is just phenomenal. So yeah, it, there's, there's not enough superlatives. You can say I tweeted out during uh, the Furman game. I'm just running out of ways to describe how good Jalen Pickett is this year. Last year, he averaged four assists. He's up to seven and a half assists per game. I don't expect that to be, you know, the number. That's an unreal jump. <laughs> That's an unreal jump. And you know, he's being asked to do more offensively and he's been able to do it. it is that sustainable? I don't know, but right now he's he's just he's playing on an unreal level of basketball and it's just so exciting to see a player like that doing that at Penn State. I'm excited to see him in a, in a true road environment when they go down to Clemson. I, I think he's the kind of guy who's going to feed off a hostile, again, hostile crowd around the Thanksgiving time are, are few and far between in college basketball. Um, but I, I think he's the kind of guy who can absolutely go out there and, and make a big statement. And speaking of he, making he just, statements, he, sorry, go ahead, Vince. Sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, he's just someone who it looks like his expression never changes. Whether he no. was shut out for scoring, I think, for in the first half or close to it against Virginia Tech or pitching, shooting a double, getting a double-double against Colorado State, it just seems like his, his demeanor never changes. It, that, that's a guy that, you know, whatever the environment, he's going to perform. So that, that's been huge. Yeah, and going back to the triple-double he had against Butler real quick before, before we do another little transition here, he was horrible shooting the ball to start that game. Mm-hmm. He had an absolutely putrid yeah. start shooting. Yeah. I think he started, what was it, two for seven? Yeah. It was something you know around yeah. there. And to watch him then kind of shift how he played to, again, backing dudes down, clearing out his own path, which not only, you know, at some point, eventually the defenses began to swarm in on him. And that's when you kick it out and bring in Andrew Funk, bringing in Cam Winter, Miles mm-hmm. Dredd shooting the ball the way he is. You're going to be able to beat a good chunk of teams with that kind of offense. And again, he's a gravity player uh, and I'm they need, desperately need somebody else to pull some of that attention away or else this will not be able mm-hmm. to last for much longer. Yeah. But, you know, if Funk can really get in a rhythm here as we round into Big Ten play, that's going to be huge for that team. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of, I don't know, I had, an, I had a transition. I lost it. Homefield Apparel <laughs> is our sponsor of this lovely podcast. And it is Thanksgiving week at time of recording. And that means some great deals are coming, including Homefield's Black Friday sale. It starts this week. It begins November 18th, and it runs until November 27th. And you can get 20% off the entire site with code Black Friday, all one word, all caps. 
a lot of listeners know that our old promo code Roar Lions Roar is still active, but that was just for your first order. Repeat customers can use this code again. That's Black Friday for twenty percent off their entire order. I love home field stuff. I'm making the drive from Chicago back home to Eastern Pennsylvania tomorrow, uh, and I made sure to pack some home field apparel gear that I can wear out uh, in my in my excursions as I explore the Allentown Bethlehem metro area. Uh, as you may remember, Penn State went out there and they won the big new Saturday uh, event competition. Uh, it's not really a competition when you win it by as much as we did, but they have a pretty large Penn State collection. They have crewnecks, they have sweatshirts, they have some great t-shirts, and they're great to us. They're great to work with. And if you missed the Black Friday sale and you're thinking maybe a little bit more towards Cyber Monday, Cyber Monday sale runs November 28th and the 29th, also 20% off. And that code's going to be Cyber Monday, all one word, all caps. So Shout out to our friends over at Homefield. They do a great job making some phenomenal shirts and making some phenomenal internet content. And we're very appreciative that we get a Big Ten country uh, company to come out here and sponsor our own podcast. So we appreciate them as always. Vince, it is about to be a pretty intense lull in the Penn State basketball world. They play Lafayette at the BJC this upcoming Friday. And then they're off until November 29th, so the Tuesday following Cyber Monday, uh, where they head to Clemson. And then they get about a week off before Michigan State comes to town. What are you looking for in the Lafayette and Clemson games? Clearly, you're not looking for the same thing in both of those outings because those are two very different caliber of opponents. But... This is going to be a lot of time for Micah Shrewsbury and company to get in the lab and get practicing and improve this team uh, in a non-game environment. What do you hope to see in these next two outings? I'm intrigued to see what Evan Mahaffey's role continues to be. Uh, he's mm-hmm. gotten some a little bit more playing time. Uh, he, he was pretty good against uh, against Colorado State. Made a play where he dove into the stands to try to try to get a loose ball. I, I just love that from guys, especially freshmen. It shows yep. you know they they have the energy and enthusiasm. Uh, to be out there I'm looking at what his role is I think he was kind of the the forgotten guy in that recruiting class a little bit with with Jameel Brown who who hasn't gotten much run this year and then obviously Kevin Jai the the highest ranked recruit in Penn State history he he was the guy that you know they're like oh wow this guy you know his measurables look really good what what kind of player is he and he's looked like someone who has fit like a glove uh, defensively he looks like he can he's someone who can hold his own on that end of the court so with the caveat of them playing Lafayette again, no disrespect to, to the Leopards. You know, I'm looking to see what he can do, you know, in a little bit more playing time uh, as, as we continue here. And, and if, if that can go into the Clemson game, if he can get some more playing time there, what that looks like and, and what kind of player he's going to be this season. Because obviously I think Michael Shrewsbury trusts him enough to put him out there in, in you know, important situations. So we'll, yeah. we'll see how he can develop and, and what, what, what kind of role he can play as, as the season moves along. I'm glad you mentioned Jamil Brown because he's a guy I want to see get on the court more. They need another high volume yeah. scorer to be able to go out there and put in if Funk has an off night, if Winter has an off night, um, even if Pickett has an off night, he's not coming off the floor. Uh, I, I think that's fair to say, but I think a, a combo <laughs> guard like Jamil Brown can be a really great backup plan in the event that things aren't going the way you're hoping for. And Brown's a big time player. Like I, I, again, I, it's hard to talk about 
certain Penn State basketball players in the context of, well, they're a Penn State basketball player. It's not like they're like at Purdue or like they're at Michigan, these traditional programs. Mm -hmm. Jamil Brown was going to go to Purdue. He was going to play for one of the best college basketball teams, not only in the Big Ten, in the country. Like he's clearly a big time athlete, a big time ball player. And, you know, you only get so many of those at Penn State. And I think if there's a chance that he can kind of take his lumps now, that Keba's kind of taken his lumps, that Mahaffey's proven he can handle it. I think he's the next likely option of this recruiting class to go in there and play his way into an expanded role. So I think the Lafayette game is the better opportunity, but Clemson's going to have athletes unlike anything's Penn State's seen uh, outside of the Virginia Tech game. And the more athletic guys you can have on the court to just keep pace, it's only an advantage that, you know, it's only going to provide an advantage to your team. So he's a guy that I want to see them take a, take a chance on in some low stakes scenarios. Yeah. It's been, it's been pretty surprising that even Kanye Clary has gotten some more playing time than him. I can't say I expected. Yeah. I was surprised by that too. It it was, it, it, it's, it's not shocking. Um, but, but it is, has been surprising. I wonder if they're taking the approach and, you know, this might be two in the weeds for basketball junkies that, you know, Mike Shrewsbury coached under Matt Painter, who, you know, there's a player at Purdue, Brandon Newman, who every, every Purdue fan under the sun wanted to see extensively last season. They wanted him to see him play a lot. He wasn't playing a lot. They thought, well, he's obviously going in the transfer portal, stuff like that. He played in the Big Ten tournament and then played in the NCAA tournament for Purdue, shined, and this year has really played a really significant role. I kind of wonder if that's where Michael Shrewsbury might be going with Jameel Brown and kind of bringing him along slowly and then unleashing him when he knows he's ready. I wonder if that's what they're kind of doing with Jameel Brown. Obviously, Jameel Brown and Brandon Newman. Brandon Newman's a, a wing. He's They're two completely different kind of players. But what, what the, the setup of what they're trying to do with Jameel Brown, bringing him along slowly. But I, I'm with you. I, if they're up to a big lead against Lafayette, I want to see him get some playing time you know, running the offense or, you know, playing off the ball a little bit more because you're right. They're going to need someone when Jalen Pickett is, is being clamped down that can make some, some buckets. And if Andrew Funk isn't shooting well, and Miles Dreaded, we know is, is kind of streaky himself, you know, as we get later into the season, they're going to need more and more guys like that. You can never have enough players that can make shots like basketball. You could have 10 guys that can make shots. That's not a problem. So I'm with you there. I'd like to see more of Jameel Brown, but I, I, I trust Michael Shrewsbury enough that there's a reason behind kind of bringing him a little bit long, bringing him more slowly than, say, a Keva Jai or a, an Evan Mahaffey. I wonder if there's if there's a switch that's going to have to flip for Shrewsbury and that coaching staff. All right, let's kind of rip the Band-Aid off here. Penn State is probably not going to make the tournament, and that's always going to be everybody's goal. I don't care if they're a 15 seed. I want to see Penn State in the tournament. They're six games into the season, and they don't have a loss yet that says in no way, shape, or form is that recoverable for a Penn State team that -hmm. is going to hover around 500 in the league. If Jameel Brown can go out there and give them minutes to maybe steal one or two games in the Big Ten, I think you have to find that out in this last little bit of the non-conference. Again, I'm not saying that this Penn State team is going to make the tourney. I still don't think they will. But if you go back, like this time last year, Penn State already had that horrible loss to UMass. That's something that's not on the Mm -hmm. table right now. And I don't see them losing again in the non-con. I mean, Clemson's a solid team, but I don't think Clemson's as good as Virginia Tech. And... Penn State played them to the buzzer. So 
I just think it might be time. Or I wonder if there's a point when Shrewsbury and company kind of realize that this is our moment and we have to capitalize on it now because Micah Shrewsbury didn't come in to build Penn State in three years. He came in to be competitive right away. And they were that in a lot of Big Ten games last year. And if they can maybe be a top, what do you think the, the ceiling is? A top six team in the league, top seven, top half of the league. And, and Jamil Brown helps you get there. You got to take that shot. Yeah, I think I, I think their ceiling is top seven, top six in the Big Ten. I think that's absolutely a realistic possibility, given that the bottom half of the Big Ten maybe isn't as strong uh, as years past. And I, I think we will see him. Yeah, after we get through Clemson and those two Big Ten games, it's it's Canisius, Quinnipiac, and Delaware State. If we, I, I'll be more worried if we don't. You're not losing those. <laughs> You're not losing those games. If if Jalen Pickett only plays 20 minutes, like. So if we don't see him more in those three games, I'll be a lot more worried that, okay, maybe he's not going to be someone that is going to contribute this season, which is fine if you're confident in the guys ahead of him getting the job done as we get further and further into Big Ten play. I think he's someone that I think might be trying to think of how I put this. We're going to see him more, I think, as the season goes along, to put it, I guess, in a much simpler term. But you're right. I, I want to see him more because because you're right. He was committed to Purdue, and anytime you can flip someone from Purdue, that's a commitment to come here to play for Penn State. That's a big deal. Um, so yeah, I'd like to see more of him for for sure. And I think I think we will in those three those three uh, non conference games that I mentioned. And hopefully he can play well and and work his way into the rotation more. And we'll close on this because I think I think it's just funny that Penn State basketball has received one vote in the AP poll in each of the last two weeks. Uh, both times from a different writer, um, despite the fact that they've gotten better wins uh, this past week than the week before, they still got the same number of votes and and some guy dropped him out, whatever. The, the AP poll is a broken system. If Penn State goes undefeated in their next two games, so let's say, you know, they, they beat Lafayette, sorry, Leopards, and they beat Clemson. Does that number, does it triple? Uh, what is what will it take to get Penn State on national radars? Is it going to take winning one of those first two Big Ten games? I, th- I think it will. I think they might. I, yeah. I think they 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 should be Clemson. Clemson is picked to finish 14th in the ACC. They're not very good. They've lost to South yeah. Carolina, who I believe didn't win a game at the Charleston Classic. So they did not. They really should win that game. <laughs> they, yeah, they South Carolina is definitely under rebuild mode for for sure this year. So I, I think they should win that game. I think that'll make it three or four AP votes after that. Um, I think, yeah, they're probably going to have to win one of those Big Ten games. It's just the nature of you being you being Penn State. I think, obviously, Micah Shrewsbury has done a lot to kind of legitima- legitimize where this program is heading, but there's still there's still a way you have to go to kind of earn that in, in the AP poll. And as you mentioned, it's a, it's a broken system. Don't get me started on the AP college football <laughs> top 25 because I could, I could talk about that for an hour about Tennessee still being, you know, dropping three spots. But I digress. Uh, it, yeah, I think, I think it will take winning one of those two big 10 games for them to really, Oh, wow. This, this is a team that, that people, you know, wake up and think, wow, this team could, you know, could make the NCAA tournament and deserves to be, you know, in strong consideration for a top 25 vote. I think, I think it's going to take getting in the top 30 in Ken Palm. They're 31 as of time of recording. I think if they get in the top 30, I think you're going to see that small corner of the internet. That's really into the weeds on college basketball say, Okay, I mean that, that Penn State team is, you know, at that point, let's say they do it after they beat Lafayette. You're six and one, only lost by two to a Virginia Tech team um, that, granted, hurt mm-hmm. hurt its stock a little bit with the loss to uh, College College of Charleston in the um, 
in the championship game of the, of the tournament. But I think that might be the barometer or, or the real measuring stick for what do the national people think about Penn State basketball? And and again, we're way ahead of ourselves. There's six games in, and we're talking about this team getting <laughs> national attention. Um, but I, again, it's it's probably the most excited I've been about Penn State basketball in in quite a long time since since March of 2020 when everything got shut down. This is the most really into the weeds with this whole thing I've been. And I know you followed the team really closely for forever. Does the vibe feel different right now? Uh, do you just is it is it palpable? Like, do you just think that this current iteration of Penn State basketball under Micah Shrewsbury is just trending in a much different direction, even than the latter half of the Pat Chambers you know era that that last you know four or five months? Yeah, there there is palpable buzz, as John Rothstein would say. So this team, I, I think, is generating that. And I think it, again, I think it goes back to Micah Shrewsbury, who coached in the NBA. This is no disrespect to Pat Chambers, I think is is a far better offensive coach than Pat Chambers was during his time at Penn State. So I just have confidence that Penn State is going to be put into a position to win a lot of these closer games. Last year didn't go their way. I think that was more of a personnel issue than anything in the Big Ten. They lost, uh, you know, a handful of games that were within three, four points of each other. I just think the Micah Shrewsbury factor is so huge. I mean, you see these guys from the NBA, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they come back and show Micah Shrewsbury love anytime, you know, he can he can interact with them. That that tells me a lot that this is a guy who knows what he's doing. And not that Pat Chambers didn't know what he was doing, but I just think there's a just a different level to the vibe that Micah Shrewsbury has surrounded that that surrounds this program with, with Micah Shrewsbury at the at the leap. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. And for your next chance to catch the Penn State Nittany Lions, as I mentioned before, it is the absolute slowest time or about to be one of the slowest times of the year for college basketball. But the Nittany Lions will be at the BJC this upcoming Friday to take on the Lafayette Leopards at 7 p.m. Eastern. You can catch that on Big Ten Network Plus. Following that, the following Tuesday, they will be on ESPNU against Clemson also at 7 p.m. If you're listening to this on your drive to wherever you are going for Thanksgiving, I hope you have a lovely holiday. We will be back later on this week to preview Penn State, Michigan State. Uh, It's land-grant trophy week. Uh, People are telling me there's a big game between uh, Michigan and Ohio State. People are saying it's the game of the year in the Big Ten. Uh, Those people are sinners and liars, and they do not respect the land-grant trophy for all it's worth. So be on the lookout for Lat Lat later this week with Bill, Nick, Craig, uh, the evil Matt. I don't know who's doing it. I have not checked our Slack today, but I'm sure they will they will let me know uh, after hearing this. But as always, thank you so much for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. Vince and I, or maybe Vince and Craig, who knows? We'll be back to talk about hoops uh, probably after the Clemson game because there's really not that much we're going to be able to learn between now and then, but... Be sure to stay following us on Twitter over at RLR blog. Be sure to leave us a five-star review. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, jump in the comment section. Let us know your thoughts on Penn State basketball. Uh, and as always, thank you to our sponsor, Homefield Apparel, for the Black Friday sale happening now. Use promo code Black Friday for 20% off your entire order. For my co-host, Vince Longaro, I'm Matt Flipovitz. Go State.